Hi, this is <laughs> you're like a fucking dork. Hi, this is Natasha Gornick, and you're listening to the Massacast podcast. This podcast is for adults only, and it fucking rules. Hi, and thanks for downloading another episode of the Massacast. Um, and uh, in, in coming in future episodes, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you details on how you can release uh, Massacast ep- episodes. You can have your own episode. Uh, and how you can record and send me the audio, and then it'll be out there for everyone to enjoy. If you're if you're so in- interested, you don't have to. It's not a requirement to listen. Uh, this episode, it's our friend uh, Ariana Chevalier. Uh, no, she's not a fragrance. Uh, she's a friend and an incredibly talented uh, pro dom here in New York City, and uh, she's a lot of fun. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. So. Just uh, seconds ago, moments ago, you said that um, uh, you were coming off of a bad month, and uh, and you said so things are getting much much better. Yes. Can we talk about your bad month at all? Um, we could talk about no. If not, that's fine. We don't have to. I don't want to out anyone. So. All right. You know, you know about that. Yeah. <laughs> and I. Put it behind me. But you, suffice it to say, let's just the 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 Cliff's Notes version is that you were you dealt with an asshole. Yes. And you deal with a lot of assholes. It yes. seems like, or it should say, you have dealt. Uh, first off, what would you say is your job title? I mean, you're a professional dominatrix, but you're more than you you do a lot more than your average, I would say. Yes, I I, I kind of consider myself a mother. Here, yeah. um, most of the ladies here are younger than me. So, um, with my experience, eighteen years, I try to guide them as far as advertisement, how to market themselves, the do's and the don'ts. So, I'm more like a, a lot of them say I'm their second mom. Um, <laughs> but your, your official title, you manage, yes. you own, yes, the dungeon, yes, right. And you've, how long have you been doing that? Uh, in this location, 10 years. 10 years. Yes. That's unheard of for most, most places. Most places they get shut down or they just for one bad management or something like that. That's because they don't keep their nose clean. That's, that's <laughs> the thing. What, what does that mean? What is that? What? They put certain things that, um, are you legal on their ads? You know, I check everyone's ad out and I'll say, look, this is unacceptable. You can't do that. You know, the government will not allow it yeah. and you'll get yourself in trouble, which means you'll get me in trouble. So that's not allowed. Yeah. And so they'll, they'll say, they'll say like, Hey, we do full service or, you know, they'll say something that's, that's clearly meaning there's sexual contact or something yes. like that. Right? Yes, exactly. Uh, is there other ways people don't keep their nose clean, or is that usually the, the real, the most common way? Most most of the time, when when others get into trouble, other dungeons, it's because they don't keep their nose clean. That's that's my word. I'm like, we. I'm a purist. I like to say I like what it was in the '90s when we were underground. Now it's become so commercial. Everyone's putting everything out there. And I like to consider myself underground. Yeah. I'm not everywhere. I don't, I don't go out to parties and 
you know, show off because I don't want anyone to. They know I have a studio. I mean, the government knows I'm here, but I don't. I'm not one of the troublemakers. Yeah. And I would like it to stay that way. What do you mean the government knows you're here? I mean, you pay your taxes, but I mean, what do you what do you mean by? I mean, in the New York City Police Department knows where every dungeon is. People seem to think that they don't know. They know where we all are. I'm in Dungeon Alley. This is Dungeon Alley. Because there's so many dungeons in this little in this <laughs> in Midtown. This considered Dungeon Alley. That's funny. I've never heard that. You've never before. heard that. Dungeon Alley. Dungeon Alley. Uh, is it because what what why is this so popular of an area? Why is this the area that? Why is Midtown popular? Thirty fourth Street, Penn Station. Uh-huh. All of these different trains come from Boston, um, Philadelphia. It comes from a lot of different places because the Amtrak is there. Also, we have the Port Authority, which people can take the Greyhound in. Right. So you don't necessarily have to fly to come to see us. You can take a train or a bus. It's also between Wall Street and Grand Central. That's right. So you have the Wall Street people who they're on their way to Westchester after work. Exactly. They'll swing by. Oh. They'll swing by and say hello. Is this is this the first you've managed? Or? Uh, well, in 1998, I went independent, and I shared a dungeon with two other ladies. For about two years, and it didn't work out. Then, after that, I shared a dungeon with another mistress in New Jersey for two years, and that didn't work out. So, hold on, hold on. Let me, <laughs> why didn't it work out in the first place? You don't have to give details, or is it just um, personality conflicts? Yes. Okay. Well, well, the thing is, the way I see it, the first one didn't work out because. I didn't have good credit, and everything was under her name. So once the dungeon was completed, she didn't want myself or the other partner there. Oh, no. So so you put all the work in. Yes. And she was like, so long, suckers. Exactly. Well, that sucks, yeah. So the second one was in Jersey? Yes. Well, there's your first problem. I know. Big mistake. I lost a lot of clients. Oh, no. That. But it, it's okay. I, it's a learning experience. It was an experience. I mean, I probably built one of one of the most expensive dungeons ever built. Really? Yeah, I put in forty grand. She put in forty grand. So that was very expensive. It was two levels. It was duplex. Beautiful dungeon, and it didn't work out. Hey, Saad's here. I'm here after much train delay. Hi, Saad. How Hi. are you? We were just talking about her, her her second dungeon, which was in Jersey. Are you good? Are you good? Everything good? Yeah, I'm good. The location sucked. It was basically only one bus took you there, and we had to pick you up from from, from the location. Oh, man. It was a, it was a mess. I, I'm happy that it didn't work out. and But, okay, so you put... I'm not questioning... I it was very expensive dungeon. We're doing forty grand each on so an eighty thousand dollar dungeon in Jersey that's so far away from the transportation. So it must have been a fairly inexpensive location to begin with. Yes. It was dirt cheap. For twenty five hundred dollars no, twenty five hundred square feet. Five dollars. 
It was basically a thousand dollar rent. Yeah, it was great. (laughs) And so you just sat there in an empty dungeon? No, actually, we saw a a lot of people drove in. Yeah. Yeah, we had a parking lot, so they drove in. (laughs) And well, if you had a lot of people come in, why did that? It just didn't work out between her and I. And I decided at at the moment when, when this happened and it didn't work out and we went through the court system, I said to myself, I'm done with this business. I've invested too much money, and I'm finished. It went through the court system? I, I sued her for my money because oh. she kept the dungeon, so I sued her. And, and, and you, so you went to court? No, yeah, like, actually, it didn't go to court. It didn't go to court, but it, did it go in front of a judge? No, actually, um, I had a, a, a very good Park Avenue lawyer, oh. and I got everything that was coming to me. <laughs> but can you imagine that? Your Honor, this spanking bench is clearly is clearly Ariana's tastes, you know. So, but I took two years off because you won. Because no, not because I won. I was um, disgusted with the business. Yeah, I didn't. I no longer wanted to do it. My heart wasn't in it. I felt that I got burned too many times, and this was it for me. So, um, I'm also an artist. So I decided to to paint children murals and for two years, but I wasn't happy. Something was missing. And I reinvested my money from painting murals and I found this baby here. And it's been ten years. That's uh but it's so what's the difference? Is it the difference because you're doing it alone? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's because I'm doing it alone, and with the other partners, I really didn't like the way they wanted to run things. Um, I wanted to have a place that women were independent, were in charge of their own business. I did not want to feel like a pimp, and so say, "Get over there! You have to do this. You you know you have to pee on someone or whatever. If you didn't want to do that, you didn't have to. It's your choice. It's your business. You own yourself. Because they're just paying you rent for the space. Yes. Right. That's it. And, and, but at the same time you do, uh, I don't know if you want to call, you do offer consultancy. I mean, I mean, you, you basically give free advice, right? Yes, I I do. And now for 10 years, and we got into this because, uh, I asked her that you know she had, she just came out from a rough month because she was dealing with an asshole, and I, asked, I said you've been you've dealt with a lot of assholes. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So Sad ha- has been through a couple of the assholes. I've seen that, a few of the assholes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm going to edit this part out, but uh, we should both scoot up a little bit. Especially, I didn't want to make all this noise. You've got a, you've got a, you've got a softer voice than me, so <laughs> when you talk, go ahead and project. Go ahead and project a little bit. Um, but so, is there a common thread through all the assholes? Mm, everyone's an individual. Yeah. They do different stupid things. My problem is I I am a forgiven person. That's my problem. So you you you, you give as many second chances as possible. And, yes. Yeah. But fortunately for me, um, the ladies who rent for me, because I'm very selective about who enters the studio. They have my back, so that's that's the most important thing. We support each other. 
So ten years though, that's I mean that's that's very impressive. What, have, have there been a lot of close calls? No, not really. Just no. because you you go back to what you said before, you keep your nose clean. I keep my nose clean. And uh, you have you said you have a lot of younger people coming in. How do you decide who? You said you you said you're very selective of who you let in. Uh, normally, everyone who comes here has to be referred. Yeah. Everyone. Unless I handpicked a person and, you know, I, f- I follow a lot of people. I'm like, oh, this, this person would be a great addition to our family because we are a family. Yeah. Aren't we, Saad? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it is it is very much like a family because I'll hear Saad tell stories about, oh, you'll never guess who was there. I guess you showed up. and We're a family. We love each other. Yeah. It's always people that you like seeing. I don't know anybody that avoids anybody. Yeah, you, you, you don't walk in and, and see someone and say, oh, she's here. If, <laughs> if Normally, if I see that, um, that somebody's taken out of the element because yeah. if they're a troublemaker, they cannot be here because I like to think of my dungeon being different from the others. I want this place to be a drama-free. Um, this is our, We spend a lot of time here, so this is our extended family. So it's important that we all get along. Anytime you have uh, women, <laughs> no, I'm not, not going to say that. I've I've heard from Saad. Saad has told a lot of stories about when she, you know, was managing a place and uh, other people as well. Uh, I think it's a combination of when people are doing something very intimate, mm-hmm. regardless of gender. Mm-hmm. And when when there's money involved, and when there's a lot of personal lives involved, things can get dramatic. Drama can happen. Okay. Regardless of gender. Okay. How, how you just really wanted me to ask the question so you could be angry with me, right? <laughs> how do you keep the drama so low? How do we keep the drama? We just keep the knuckleheads out, and if there's a problem, perp child, they're gone. Yeah. They're gone. If it's something else, we don't really let it stew. Yeah. we Communication is such an important part of kink that I guess it just helps facilitate itself in other ways. And say there, I have an issue with someone. I don't let it sit and fester. I approach the person. I said, look, I don't like what you did here. And they'll, they'll explain and... And we resolve it right then and there. There's no sitting there, oh, this individual, we don't do that. We're grown-ups here. So how did this whole thing start? Which whole thing? The whole, you you, you starting in the business. Uh, Okay. I'm I'm not sure where to start. Okay. I found out about S&M when I was in college. To pay my way through college, I was... A Girl Six. Do you remember that movie? I don't. No, it was a Spike Lee movie. I was a phone girl. A phone girl. Um, a phone sex girl. Did you learn about SNM through that job? Yes. I mean, how did you find that job? Uh, I saw it in either the Village Voice or one of those little magazines, No Experience. You know, I applied for it and... They wanted me to sound like a nice little white girl, so I did. And because <laughs> you had to be white on the phone. Really? Yes. It, um, what does that sound like? 
I, I don't know. I haven't done that voice in so long. <laughs> I probably forgot. So uh, it, it was very funny. So they told you, look. So some someone had the balls to say to you, look, you have to sound like someone of a different race. If you're yes, gonna, that's horrible. No, they well, the men who called did not want to speak to an African American woman, mm. so they want to speak to a. Because their ads had nothing but blondes and redheads. So you had to be one of them. Okay. And I was whoever they wanted me to be. Except one day, it's just kind of funny, a Jamaican guy calls. And, <laughs> and he's like, he wants a hot blonde. And I, they give him to me. And I hear the accent. And he said something I didn't like. So I turned around and I said, what the blood clot? <laughs> and I got in trouble. <laughs> I did whatever I want. But while there, I got promoted to manager. They, I didn't stay on the phones long because they couldn't understand how I was keeping these men on the phone for over an hour. How were you keeping these guys on the phone? I didn't talk about sex. I talked about school. And, and, and I was like, I'm having problems with my paper. And, and did help me with my paper. And, oh, what? And, so you would do homework yeah, on the... I would do homework, and and, they, and then when I'd say, hey, you want to get off? They were like, I can't get off with you. You're my friend. And they'd call me every day. So, so it, wait. So you would just keep the subject off of sex? Yes. Because if the subject changed to sex... Because the minute they came, it was over. The yeah. phone call was over. And the thing is, you made your money off a request. So for every request you got, you got $6 extra. So... I wanted them to request me, so they became my friends. What was your What was your name? Linda. Linda. Yes. <laughs> you didn't use different fake names. It was always Linda. It was always Linda. Well, I suppose you have to. You have yes, to. you had to say with the same name. Yeah. So I was Linda, and I, actually, it was a fun job because I didn't know who was I was going to be, and and sometimes they'll say, "Oh, are you a lesbian?" Like they wanted lesbian. So another girl sitting next to me because we were all in one little room yeah. talking, and and we'd just make sounds, and 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 the guy'd be like, "Hey, include me. We're, we're busy," and we'd make like <laughs> funny sounds. It, it was hilarious. It, but one day, I got a domination call. I never heard of this word domination. I didn't know anything about it. So guy calls and he's like, Linda, I want you to whip my balls. And I was like, okay, whip your balls. And he was like, no, you don't sound like you mean whip my balls. I was like, okay, go get a shoe. And then, so he went and got a shoe. I said, now bang your dick with it. And I just started telling him to do things. And he was doing it. I was like, I like this. I'm making people hurt themselves while on the phone, get clothespins. Like I would tell him to get all kind of thing, all kind of regular household items to hurt themselves with. Yeah. And I began to specialize in it. And they gave me more and more calls. And I liked it. That's funny. And so there was something that kind of triggered at that point? I've always been um, a bossy individual, especially towards men. So it, it kind of came naturally. I just didn't know about domination. I yeah. never heard that word or SNM or BDSM. Never heard about it. Never saw the magazines. None of that. But the phones introduced you to it. Yes. They be then you become manager. Yes. You're still doing the phones or you're just managing at the point? 
managing. I was disappointed because I wasn't making that extra six bucks. And so you're making less money. Yes, <laughs> yes, it sucked. So I had to train people to do what I was doing, and it sucked. It sucked. So how long did you? How long were you managing? Um, for about a year. Yeah. At the time, I was going through a divorce, and I had pretty much written men off. One of the ladies that I worked with said, "You know, don't hate men. Get even. I'm taking to you so much." She said, "Just wear all black." So I put on my black outfit. We meet on 14th and I think 10th, and it's the Hellfire. So that was my first encounter with S and M. So I walk into this club and there's like, first of all, I was pretty gross because I'm, I think I'm a little snooty sometimes. And I'm like, why are we in this dirty, disgusting place with naked men just drooling all over the, you know, well, not drooling, you know, <laughs> dribbling, dribbling. That's the word all <laughs> over the place. And I was kind of grossed out. So I, I tell one of the guys like. Go get me a paper towel. Get me some paper towel because I didn't want to sit on your seat. It was just so gross. So I sat down and all of a sudden I was surrounded by men saying, who are you? Can I serve you? And I'm like, this is the kind of people that call me on the phone. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, come here. Get a, get down. Worship my feet. I had one on one feet, the other one on the other, the one sending one out for water. And it just became fun that I took out my lipstick and I wrote my name, Ariana, or one's back. And I said, walk around the club and give me some free advertisement. <laughs> so, so I don't know where all of this came from, but it just seemed so natural. And while I was sitting there, there was, a man who was looking at me from across the room. And I'm looking at this man, and I'm like, I can't make out what he is because he's not like the other guys because the other guys are on the floor, and they're crawling on this disgusting floor. They're naked. And this guy was pretty well-dressed, wearing all rubber, and he's just in all black staring at me. So I, I say to my friend, like, who's that guy? And she says, don't even talk to him. He looks like some master or something. And I was like, what's that? And she, and then she, asked, she what's a master? I didn't know. So listen, I was, I was like 24. So I didn't, I, I lived a sheltered life. So, and she says, don't talk to him. Those are the guys who beat the women. And I was like, really? Me being who I am, nosy, I call him over, you know, I'm like, so he comes over, and, and I said, so what are you staring at? He was like, you. And I was like, get on your knees. He's like, well, my pants are kind of expensive. I don't know if I should. I grabbed him by his hair, and I forced him down. And, and he, the look in his eyes was like, he was amazed that I just took control right there. And he says, who are you? And I was like, well, I'm Mistress Ariana. Where do you work? And I was like, I work for myself. He says, you don't work for yourself. I've never seen you anywhere. I own a dungeon. And I was like, you do? He says, maybe, you know, you should come work for me. I was like, I will not work for any man, especially you, because you're a slave now. And for a while, I kept going out to the Hellfire. I don't know. Well, every weekend. Don't tell anyone. Every weekend, I was over there. <laughs> 
having fun controlling men and that same individual that that I first met, not going to say his name, but one day he says, we went to the Hellfire and he says, hey, you want to go out to eat? I had my other, my vanilla friend with me and he had his friend with him and we go to Chelsea's diner and I remember the the waitress came, like everybody knew what they were going to eat. The waitress came and he started ordering his meal. And I said, wait a second, what are you doing? And he says, oh, I'm ordering my food. I was like, before me? Who do you think you are? I was like, scratch that off. And I put in my order. My girlfriend puts in her order. His friend puts in his order. And when he's about to talk, I said, he'll have toast with nothing. And and he's like looking at me. I was like, that's right. You'll have dry toast. So when she brings out everyone's steak and eggs, <laughs> he gets this toast and there was like a, a thing of jelly on top of it. And I just took it. And And she was like, well, do you want anything to drink? I said, he started drinking his water. He had like maybe half a glass mm-hmm. left. And I said, no, that's all he'll have. And I can just right there. It. Everything kind of clicked, how much control I can have over someone. And after we had um, breakfast, I'm leaving, I'm getting in the cab. And in the middle of 23rd Street, I have this man worshiping my shoes. And I'm loving every second of it that I decide that I'm going to quit my job and... No, actually, I didn't quit my job yet. I worked while I was doming. I, I went and I applied for a job at a dungeon. And I remember going in there. I put on, like, an interview outfit, like, looking really nice to go there to impress the person. I don't know what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. And when I walked in, the owner says, wow, you're really pretty. Um, do you, want, you, you really want to work doing this? And I said, yes. And I specifically remember him saying that I'm going to hire you because we need a pretty black girl, but black women will, don't make money in this business. And I was a little hurt by that. And I says, why? He says, there's not a lot of clients for black women. And I said, okay. So I sat there and while working there for several years, I was dest- I, I wanted to prove him wrong that black women can make money. So everyone who came through that door to see me, I gave them a hell of a good session that they would come back and be a regular. So as that kept happening, everything that I made, because I still had a regular job, well, all my doming money went on clothing. Because I began to see a pattern. Guys calling says, yes, I want a corset with thigh-high leather boots, not pleather and, and gloves. So I would listen to all these calls. on, And I looked at the people I worked with. They didn't have that kind of wardrobe. Mm-hmm. So we would lose a lot of sessions. So I ordered chaps, everything, you name it, that was out there, I had it. So when the fetishes came, I saw them. Yeah. And... All of a sudden, a year and a half, he's like, Ariana, you have a lot of regulars. What are you doing, hand jobs in session? I'm like, (laughs) not at all. It's because I'm learning my craft. And 
He's part of the reason why I wanted to own, open my own dungeon, because I wanted to prove to him that black women can make it in this business. And you clearly did. I clearly did. I mean, you're running your own now. Yep. yep. And my dungeon was way better than his. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best, best revenge yeah. success. Do you ever see him? Or have you? No. No? I don't see him. You can't, do you ever like are tempted to email and, or call or something to say, why? Well, I don't know. I do better than him. To rub it in, to rub it in. I don't know. Nah. I saw him once on the street and he was like, don't be my competition. I was like, I'm not your competition. Why would I be your competition? You own a house. I own a rental business. Mm -hmm. So when you don't want them anymore, they have a home here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, how, so how long did you do, did you work there? Um, I, I started working in 2000. No, look. Gosh, I'm dating myself. 1995, people. <laughs> That's when you started there. Yes. And was there a big, a big shock to, you know, of, of what people came in to ask for? Oh, my first session. My first session was probably the worst session I have ever done in my life. I I come into work not knowing anything. I mean, because what, what I learned at the Hellfire was nothing. I mean, all I did was like slap people, punch them or kick them or hit them with a crop. So my first session was bondage. I walked through the door at 11 o'clock in the morning and they were like, um, there's a session coming in for you. And I was like, how? No one knows I'm here. And he was like, oh, we told him that there's a new lady coming in. Comes in. I don't know any rope. No ropes at all. So I go in there. And, and he kind of showed me some little shibari stuff, like, just quickly. And I'm like, okay, five seconds of it. I go in the room. I just remember at the end of the session, Myself and the client was tangled in the rope. <laughs> and guess what? He still sees me to this day. Really? And we laugh about it. <laughs> He's like, I took a virginity. And I'm like, yeah, you did. <laughs> and and your second, was your second, second session better? It got better each time because what I would do is um, the mistresses who worked there, who had more experience, I asked them. Can I watch when I'm not sessioning? Can I watch? And and it seemed shocking to them that they were like, you want to watch? No one. Everyone does their own thing. Okay, come into session with me. So my mentor, which I'm going to say her name, Diana Balance. So she would take me in on all her bondage sessions and a lot of her sessions and, and told me, buy lots of wardrobe. Guys like clothes. And I invested. So what type of things did you learn from watching her other than um, the club? Just, is there anything other than the technical aspect? Was there anything about how you carry yourself or was that just kind of inherent to you? Already? I think it was, uh, I, I always had um, this, my mother told me that I have a charm that men can't resist. Okay. Yeah. That's why men get into a lot of trouble with me because I lure them in with this little smile. And then next thing you know, they're suspended upside down or something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the funny thing is that, uh, I, I never, we never met before, uh, Saad and I were together. 
I remember meeting you, and you were very suspicious of me. <laughs> um, Who told you that? You did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, did you did say something to me. Like, mm, I remember just you, you kind of like, I can't remember what it was. And then later you did tell me, you said, I didn't like you at first. Yes. Right? Yeah, because I um, saw I love her. That's like my sister. Mm -hmm. And here you come. And I wasn't happy. I was like, was, this, was I a jerk? Was I walking no, like, you didn't, look at me? You didn't, you didn't, you didn't do anything. I just overprotective. I was like, what's this guy want? He wants the goodies, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but what's really amazing to me is how you are in a restaurant. You're, you're one of the sweetest people I know. You're incredibly sweet, but I've okay. seen you like on the periphery of sessions. Mm -hmm. You are you're it's like you're a, a, a I change you do change I change how do you explain what is you how would you describe that um okay I'm a nice person I'm overly generous but when Mistress Chevalier comes out uh it's like that's my alter ego it I just transform once I put on the rubber someone different comes out and I, I really can't explain what it is. And uh, I'm going to cut you off for a second because it comes from something from when I was a child. When I was six years old, my mother had me pretty young and my mother smoking, smoking and very beautiful woman. And she has a leather fetish. My mother had thigh-high um, platform, those big giant, you know, 70s platform shoes in leather, leather miniskirt, leather jacket. She had three outfits like this. And I remember smelling the leather, and I was addicted right away. And when she wasn't home, I would put the leather boots on my arms, the leather boots on my legs. I'd try to put a jacket on until I got caught. And my mom, I was ashamed that she caught me. And she, she went out and she bought me these little go-go boots and a little leather jacket. And she was like, don't worry about it. She's like, I like leather too. Um, this is the woman who owns like 200 pairs of boots. My mother <laughs> is a leather fetishist. And whenever I was to put on my leather jacket or my boots, I felt strong. And part of the reason, this <laughs> is so silly, I was a big fan of Happy Days. <laughs> so I, Defonce was so cool when he put on his leather jacket. So when, when I put on my jacket, it was like, hey. <laughs> I was like this other person. I was cool. I was powerful. So, and that transformed as I got older, am I making any sense? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I know. It's, it, I feel like such a cornball saying that, no, like no, the no. happy days and the fonts, because I think it's, it's silly and corny now. But when I was younger, I associated my leather with the fonts, and he was like the coolest person, and, and everyone was scared of him. So that was, um, that was my power. So my... I guess I'm a fetishist first. Before I became a mistress, I always adored leather. Mm -hmm. So it just makes me feel like a different person. I feel sexy. I, 
um, my self-esteem goes up. Everything that I am amplifies. Like, I know I can be a nasty bitch sometimes. It just amplifies <laughs> when, when, when I'm wearing either leather or latex. So, But I'm a leather fetishist before I'm a latex fetishist, although most people associate me with latex. Well, because I mean, uh, that's what I market myself. Yeah, yeah. Your, your your Twitter handle is NY Rubber Studio. Yes, and you market yourself that way because rubber is more unique. More, there are fewer people who have rubber around, and so you're. Well, just... what it is is um, years ago, before everyone jumped on a rubber um, bandwagon, the rubber bandwagon. That sounds like a <laughs> 1970s cartoon. Yeah, before everyone jumped on it, um, I was buying a lot of it. And I remember I went into Hilton's Purple Passions to buy a leather catsuit, thinking that they're just hanging off the rack waiting for me to buy it. And in your like, perfect size. In my perfect size. And he turned around and he says, those have to be custom ordered. And I had a shoot the next day. And I was like, well, I can't wait for that. And then he brings out this little skinny little catsuit. And I'm like... What is this? This is not going to fit me. This is half my size. And he says, no, no, no. Put powder in it. And they helped me in it. And all of a sudden, any imperfection that I thought I had was gone. That <laughs> thing sucked up in hell. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, there's a God. I was like, oh, my God. This fabric just transformed me and lift my boobs and butt was like looking like two big giant apples and I was like oh my god I love this stuff and I was like I have those in two colors <laughs> and that's how my rubber diction started rubber diction yeah that's very funny that's right what is the, is there a do you get the same feeling when you're rub, wearing rubber as when you're wearing leather or is it different um it's different uh latex is more like a second layer of skin because it shows everything. Leather, I can hide my imperfection but still look sexy in it and still feel comfortable. And then it stretches with you. You know, if it's, they say rubber expands, but if I'm wearing a leather outfit every single day and I'm getting fatter every single day, it stretches with you. But latex, mm, if you can't go from a size one to a size five, it's not going to stretch that much with mm-hmm. you. I, 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 I like them not equally, differently, differently. I like the smell of leather. Um, the texture feels really good under my fingers. Latex is, it, it's, it's, it's completely different. What about, so, so mentally, like uh, if you are wearing leather, you, you kind of already described you feel very powerful. You feel, you, you know, you feel like the Fonz. Uh-huh. Uh, when you're wearing leather or latex, what does that make you feel? Is it more, is it more sexual or is it, I mean, what is it? Uh, is it more sexual? Oh, that's a toughie because I, they both make me feel sexual, but mm-hmm. latex at the end of the day, leather wins. Because yeah. I don't sweat like I do in latex. Yeah. That's the problem. Yes. Because you'll look sexy for a photo shoot or for a session, but then when you get out of it, all this 
water comes out, and it's just kind of okay. But back yeah. up. Let's say it's a universe where you're not you're not sweating, or or that you don't have to worry about what happens afterwards. We're just talking about during, right? Mm-hmm. What's the different? Is there a different feel uh, well, emotionally? It lifts my ass pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm wearing a cat suit. Um, it tucks in stuff, so it, it holds you a bit better, I think. Okay, but again, emotionally. Emotionally? If, 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 if I'm going to get off? If I'm going to get off, I'm getting off on leather. Yeah? Yeah. But if, if leather is the fawns, what's latex? Latex is Catwoman. Yeah, okay. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> like, latex is Catwoman. It's Eartha Kitt when she was, yes. like, smoking. Yes. Yeah. There is no other Catwoman. That's the best Catwoman. It's Eartha Kitt. Yeah. Um, but I, I mentioned uh, how, how I was surprised when I first saw you sort of in session or in, in, in your persona. Because what surprised... Because I've been around other doms when they've been, you know, in that mode or whatever. And sometimes it's clear that they're acting. They're putting on an act, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's easy to... It's not. It's not hard to to watch, right? Yeah. No, it's not that it's hard to watch you, but with you, you're not acting, and so that's why whenever whenever I've heard you yell at someone or or you're angry at someone, and you yell, your shoulders go up a little I, my, bit. I, I get a little nervous because I'm like, Power. she's not acting. She's not acting. You know, um, a couple of years ago, I started doing videos. You don't realize who you are until you watch yourself on camera. So, but the camera person said to me, like after video, he says, oh my God, you're fucking demanding. And I was like, me? me? Yeah, I was like, me? He was like, the way you just snatched that guy by his head and dragged him in, it's, I'm blaming it all on the clothing because <laughs> it does something to me. It changes me. I become Catwoman. Mm-hmm. I become like this, almost like this, not quite a villain, but almost like a villainess. Mm-hmm. Say an Amazonian female supremacist? Yes. Um, I, am a, I am a female supremacist, by the way. Um, but it, it just... All of the things that, okay, I guess I need to start from another beginning. When I was five years old, I was bullied at five. And I remember coming home and my mother saying, and I'm crying. And she was like, the hell are you crying for? And I was like, oh, I was bullied. They took my, my, um, what was that lunchbox? Um. It was a doom, doom buggy. Yeah. Yeah. So somebody stole my lunchbox and, and my mother says, you're going back to school and you're going to kick that person's ass and you're going to get your lunchbox back and you better hit them in the head with the damn lunchbox. So, and, and I felt like I could do that. I was like, okay. I went to school and I beat the bully, the bully of the class. And all of a sudden I became the bully. I started bullying everyone else. Oh. And yeah, beca- I, I'm not going to lie. I became the bully. I Drunk be- with power. I was drunk with power. And I loved it. It just gave me such a charge. I mean, to see, 
I, I never forgot in fifth grade, there was like this really tall boy in the class. He, he must have been at least six foot by then, but he was really tall. And I remember he did something and I didn't like, and I stood up on the table and I slapped him and he started crying. And instead of, you know, I'm, I'm headed to the principal's office and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm so happy. <laughs> I was like, I beat that boy up and it, it just gave me a high. The power gives me a high. I'm almost ashamed of it talking about it. <laughs> but no, you have a creative outlet for it. But I, I, Ariana brings out uh, the best and sometimes the worst of me. So it exaggerates your best features. Yes. But when Ariana, like I always tell myself, you don't want me yelling in session because then that means I'm angry. And when I'm angry, you better get the hell out of here because I have a temper. Most people don't see it, but um, I have a temper. You said you were a female supremacist. Yes. What does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? Um, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> um, women up here and men are down there. And yeah. men think with that item between their legs, and we actually, as women, think with our brains. You don't think women think with their vaginas? No, I'm... not at all. Why are you looking at her? <laughs> because sometimes she thinks with her vagina. No, because she knows what she wants, and what she wants, she just takes. <laughs> <laughs> I meet a lot of weird people in, in this lifestyle. You've met a lot of weird... Yeah. How do you handle the... the? I mean, you've. I'm sure there have been plenty of times when you've had... Someone you had to escort out of the building? No, check. I check them a lot of times. What do you mean, check? Um, check them at the door? Check them at the door. Like, hair, collar, throw them out. Like what? what like, what happened? Give me an example. Uh, gosh, I don't want some of the listeners to be like, that was me. So I'm trying to think of... Well, but if they did something wrong, it's, it's I mean, you don't have to use names. Only they will know that. If they've um, done anything to anyone at the studio that is not appropriate, I come out with my baseball bat. Behind my desk is a not a wooden, because I don't believe in the wooden, a nice metal baseball bat. For <laughs> you don't believe in a wooden bat? No, I, I like the metal ones. <laughs> it's, it's lighter, you get a better swing. <laughs> all right. What? What? So you have this baseball bat? Yeah. So all I, I I've never had to swing it. Thank God. You've had all, to threaten. All, all I had to do is just pick it up and look at them in their eyes, and it just says enough. So what? What have people done to warrant the bat coming out? Um, touching someone somewhere that they shouldn't, mm -hmm. and the mistress asked them to leave, and they wouldn't leave. Yeah. And I have to handle that. That's, I mean, wow. I mean, so they they touch someone inappropriately. They mm -hmm. touch the dominant inappropriately. She says, get the fuck out. And you know what? And he says, I'm not leaving. He's not leaving. And rather than say, I'm calling the cops or something like that, he's like, fuck that. I'm going right to the source. I'm going right to the source. I'm like, you got five seconds to get out of here. Before I fly your head. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Before I fly your head. I love that. I haven't heard that one before. 
How often does that happen? Not that often. No? Not that often. We screen them pretty well, but sometimes, you know, the trash will come through. Yeah, I think I only ever had to forcibly remove one person before I started renting from you. Yeah. That's because he came in really high on coke and then started doing coke in the room and the dom kept telling him to stop and to leave and he wouldn't stop. She leaves. Four of us go in there and he's still sitting in the chair saying just a little bit more, just a little mm-hmm. bit more. It was insane. I've never seen anybody with a like, yeah. that needed it that bad that they wouldn't even leave when they were told to. Yeah, it happens. Do you have a sixth sense about people now? Uh, most of the time. Not all of the time. Yeah. Most of the time. What, uh, when you're screening for people to come work here, mm-hmm. because sometimes people work here when you're not here. By the way, does the bat have a name? The who? Does the bat have a name? No. You should name the bat, don't you think? Uh, I'm going to go get... It rarely comes out of, you know, the closet. It's right behind my desk. It's Bertha really... is a good name for a baseball <laughs> bat, for example. I'm going to go get Bertha. Don't make me go get Bertha. Yeah. Maybe? Yeah. No, think about it. I'll think about it. Yeah. <laughs> she needs a good name. She's been here for 10 years. Really? Yeah. You got the baseball bat the first thing, one of the first things um, you got? It was a gift. Yeah. <laughs> one of my clients actually bought it for me. What it for me? He was like, you know, because I, when I first got the place, I didn't, I wasn't renting to anyone. I didn't want to share. I had twenty five hundred square feet of space all to myself, and it was like, wow, um, I can start my session in one room, Christian every room. So yeah. it, and then after that, you know, one of my friends was like, you're selfish. How could you have this humongous space and you don't rent to anyone? And then I let her in and she got a friend. Come on. And that's how we started the rental business. Yeah. You've bought a lot of equipment over the years. Yeah, too much. That's why I'm so broke. <laughs> but, yeah. why, 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 but you obviously have your preferences. You, have, you kind of know what's good and what's bad. If someone is uh, thinking of buying their own equipment... I mean, obviously, I'm sure you bought crappy equipment by accident. No? No? You know what Well, well, no. It depends. Uh, I've bought crappy equipment because I'm like, all right, that's just for, like, okay, my specialty leather hoods. um, It's not accessible to just anyone. But someone just want, like, a client is not a heavy fetishist. I have crappy stuff for them. They, They don't know the difference between good and junk. (laughs) <laughs> there are some guys who aren't that experienced so yeah. if if they're just like oh I just wanted to try a hood okay there's a least expensive one why should you put them in a fetish hood yeah if they're not really into that yeah but when you're buying equipment when you're kind of figuring out what you want to buy how do you know what's good and how do you know what's um, certain companies have really good reputation, so mm-hmm. I go by the reputation, and other people talk about it. You know that that's how. You have all these different rooms, and you've had different variations of all these rooms too. Even since I've known you, you've kind of I'm always changing. You're always yeah. changing stuff. Is that because you get bored with something, or just because you you, you have a better idea of how well, you want like it? Well, or... like for instance, I had a cross dressing room. It rarely got used. Although there's all these cross-dressers out there, they want to go into the dungeons. They don't want to go... That room, did they get used a lot? As a dressing room. Yeah. Yeah. I had a medical room. And 
that rarely got used. So currently I have a dungeon slash medical room. Mm -hmm. So it first part of it is a little medical and then you go into the room and it's more dungeony. Yeah. But what 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 inspires you to change it? Is it just business, or is it like, oh, you know, what? I really want I really want a new suspension system. I really want this. I mean, what is it that inspires it? To, to the changes, yeah. Um, it depends on what the needs of the dungeon is. Yeah. I go by the needs of the dungeon. So, if a room's not working, I transform it. Have you noticed any uh, over the course of the past, well, eighteen or ten years? I, I've, I've asked it to people who've been in the scene for a little while that they can watch trends. Have you noticed any trends in, in fetishes or kinks come and go? Oh, I, there's a trend that um, I'm, I don't know if it's politically correct to even talk about it. And well, spit it out. <laughs> bondage. Bondage. Yeah. Jinx, you owe me a coke. Yeah. What is bondage? I don't know, but I don't want it in my dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> Bond, so I, I, it's bondage and a massage. But and it's not the mistress getting the massage, right? It's like I I, I don't know what bondage is. Some I've asked people. It could, I think believe it started in L.A. because that's what I was told. And there's even somebody in L.A. doing. Um, certification on, on bondage. And, and I heard it's like at the end, people may wind up with a happy ending. I don't know, but I don't feel that accredited. I, I feel that they're here to serve me. I'm not here to tie you up. And then I have to give you a massage on top of it. It just doesn't make any sense. It sounds like total bullshit. I'm, I, I just Googled bondage. What does it say? Well, Tell me there's an urban dictionary. No, there's no urban. Di- I don't see. I see a it's whole bunch of. too new for urban dictionary? Uh, well, this is, we're going to go with. Uh, this is Bondage, Sydney, Australia. Okay. There, there, there are people. Okay. Oh, here, there is an. Uh, here we go. There is an urban dictionary. Let's go to it. This is an erotic massage technique that combines all of the elements of a sensual massage with some BDSM spanking, sensory deprivation, blindfolds, earplugs, and sensation play. Uh, used in a sentence. And I have never had as many orgasms at one time as I had during my bondage session. <laughs> it was even better than tantric massage. Here's another, used also in another sentence. When I received my bond, your, your, Ariana's making a jerk off motion. When I received my bondage, I experienced female ejaculation for the very first time. It was amazing. There you go. I'm going to get a lot of shit for this one because there's so many people doing it, but I just don't agree on it because yeah. um, they're here to serve us. We're mistresses, we're goddesses. And when we have to sit there and actually give someone a massage, I should be getting a massage, not the slit, yeah. not the client. And I just don't agree with it. It sounds like it would be better suited to the bizarre women of Germany. You yes. Know, where they're you know, hookers with whips, where they do sensual, you know, and it's, it's service topping. It's moving its way in New York. Yeah. And, and it sucks because the new generation of clients are learning aren't learning the traditional things that they should be learning, like how to speak to 
to a mistress and 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 how to serve a mistress. They 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 come now and they're like, oh, I want this, and, and they're so demanding. And it wasn't like this when I first started. They respected us, mm-hmm. and it takes a couple of bad apples to ruin it for everyone, because. I rather see the older generation than the 20s, the 25s, you know. I don't want to see them because they're full of bad habits because they're looking at all these things people combinate um I'm not going to mention. They're looking at certain movies and thinking this is what it's all about. Yeah, I'm going to get tied up, I'm going to get whipped, and she's going to have sex with me. Mm-hmm. And in reality, that's not the way it's supposed to be. So when you have when you're taking people under your wing, yes, are 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 they you know, like someone comes in? Are they are is this usually their first experience to to professional BDSM or um, mistresses? Yeah, um, I I don't know I don't take too many newbies. Yeah, <clears throat> I have to see something in you that I like in order to say okay I'll I'll, I'll teach you because um, I'm probably the only dungeon in New York that teaches for free. If you're here and you want to learn something, if I can teach it to you, I will teach it to you. And if I can't teach it to you, then I refer them to Mr. Saad. I know I'm a bit of a purist. I'm very old school. I was told um, several months ago that, that I need to stop thinking 80s in the 80s, I was a kid. I wasn't even thinking about this stuff. And and get with the program. What, what program? I don't know what program. I just ignored the person anyway. So, Well, what what were they referring to? That I'm old-fashioned. Like what? They, they, that you should be doing bondage? I, I guess. <laughs> I should be doing bondage. Hello, people. I don't do bondage. Look somewhere else. <laughs> be like, yeah, come over here. And he'll get tied up properly and beaten over his bondage. <laughs> Here to potent massage. Yeah, you want some bondage? Okay, I'm gonna massage you with my cane. <laughs> this was a lot of fun. Were you? Uh, was it what you were expecting? No. It was easier than than you thought. It was just a you know hanging out with some cool friends, talking about S and M. Thanks, Ariana. And uh, you can find all of her information on the website, mastercast.com. And um, yeah, hope you're enjoying your new year so far. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.